You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Here Now Podcast. By the time you guys are listening to this, it will be 2021. So happy new year. I have to like get in the mindset of recording for next year. But I'm so excited to welcome Miss Christina Chase onto the show today to talk to us about her story. And she's pretty inspiring if I do say so myself. So hi, Christina. Welcome. Hi, Sophia. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. I'm so glad, and I can't wait to hear your story. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us where you're from, all the things you want us to know. Okay, well, my name is Christina Chase, and I'm from New Hampshire. I've lived here my whole life. In fact, I still live in the same house that my parents brought me to when I was born. That's crazy. Uh, And there is a reason for that. My parents are my caregivers. I have a progressive genetic disease that's pretty much a muscle-wasting disease. So I've never walked, and every year I get progressively weaker, and I lose strength and abilities. So now I can't do things anymore like feed myself or brush my teeth or hold a book and turn the pages. So I'm very, very dependent on others for care, hence living with my mom and my dad, who are amazing, self-giving people have to give a shout out to them every time I do an interview because they really are just amazing and generous, wonderful people. So I live here and I, I write. I've always found that I love to express myself in words because I find words, just language to be so beautiful. And I also knew that words were never something that were going to be taken away from me in particular. Mobility, yes. The ability to use my arms, yes, but not my voice, my ability to express myself. And I'm just so very grateful for that. So I have a blog. I've written a book. Pretty normal things like be with family and friends. And I love genealogical research. I had three cats and a pretty good life. That's amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about were you born with this disability or is this something that you developed over time? Yes, it's genetic. Basically, my parents were both carriers, but they had no idea. So I was a very healthy little baby. But when I was about nine months old, my legs were floppy. My mother noticed, hey, they're not walking when we hold her up. And she's not trying to stand. So that began a long series of tests. And on my second birthday, like on my second birthday, my parents were given a diagnosis of spinal muscular atrophy, which is what I have, type 2. And the prognosis at that time was that I wouldn't live to be a teenager because severe scoliosis occurs. And anyone who sees me can see I have severe scoliosis because my head is flopped over onto my <laughs> hunched back. and I'm just too weak to lift it up. And also my respiratory system is compromised because of the reduced room in my chest and my body and also the weakening of the muscles so because of that a lot of kids back then uh, i'll say it was back in the 1970s 
they really didn't live very long. Thankfully, there's been much progress in taking care of kids like me. I think that back then they used to just put children with disabilities sort of aside. They would stay at home, they would be well cared for and loved, but they would just stay home and be kept comfortable. And so they weren't as active and involved in the world. And I think that really does do something to life expectancy. So I was very active in my childhood. I could never walk, as I said, but I went to school. I was one of the first kids in my school in a wheelchair. They had to get a special bus for me. So, you know, it's a difficult disease, but with the love and support that I've had, I've had many blessings in my life. That's amazing. I mean, I talk about my story sometimes of having to have accommodations, but you said that you're in a wheelchair. Like, I'm sure that that is just 10 times greater. But it's so inspiring to see people who can go through childhood and still come out as functional living adults later on in their lives. What kind of inspired you to write your book based on your story? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> I am two very bad things. I'm a perfectionist and a procrastinator. (laughs) Not a good combination. But as I've grown, I've grown in my faith. And in 2013, I made a consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And that really, my life changed unexpectedly after that, although maybe I shouldn't be surprised. And I started a weekly blog. And I had many followers who were asking me to just put my reflections together in a book. And I thought, okay, this could be my first book. I will put some reflections together and do that. And I love to write about being human because that's something, of course, that we all have in common. It's universal, this humanity of ours. So I'm just in awe that I'm even alive, that we exist is such a wonder to me. And there have been times when I've contemplated God, existence, Christ, God's choice to become a human being, to become one of us. And so I started to draw on the reflections that I'd written that had that as their theme, and then found myself writing more and more, and then drawing from my own life as a a very small little human being, and reflecting on my little life, and the little life that God Almighty chose to live in the flesh. That's how the book started to take shape. And the other thing is that, as you said, being a child with a disability, we have some stereotypes that we have to deal with a lot. And one that I seem to have to deal with quite often, probably because I was raised in the Catholic Church, is that I was closer to God because of my disability. And people often call uh, children with special needs, children with special needs that were special, that because I was smiling and in a wheelchair, I must be a little saint. And I was sure to go straight to heaven. Of course, anyone who knew me personally knew that I certainly was not a little saint, very human and flawed, just like anybody else. So I had to deal with that stereotype and then not having received much education in Catholic faith. First, because it became physically difficult for me to attend CCD. I don't think anyone really felt that I needed 
to grow in understanding of matters of faith because, again, I was a little angel. I was going to go straight to heaven because look at all that I had to deal with and my suffering. It gave me a lot of difficulties with understanding myself. Why am I disabled? What does it mean? What does God expect of me? Did God give me this disease because he loves me especially? How does that work? So I found that as I was writing the book, I explored many of those questions as well and wanted to share with others the understanding and the insights that were given to me that helped me to understand the reality of God's love, the reality of being human, that none of us are perfect. We're all crippled in some way because none of us walk through this life unaided. None of us can stand in the presence of God on our own. And been giving some insights into that, into why disability exists, why limitations exist, why suffering exists, and then how God's love is shown so profoundly and wonderfully through God's intimate choice to live a human life, to become one of us and share in our humanity, to experience those limitations. A little helpless newborn, completely helpless in the womb before birth, wrapped in swaddling clothes that he could not move. He was immobile. And he had poverty and rejection and ridicule and betrayal and, of course, excruciating pain. And he chose to live all those things that we thoroughly dislike about our human lives. But he chose to endure them with us for love of us and to show us that we can be transformed through every aspect of our lives and truly live fully human, fully alive in God's love, which is without limit and completely powerful. That is such a beautiful testimony. And one of the things that I've been reminded of constantly this Advent season in particular is just how that innocent baby, how much he really means to the world. And I think it's something that we often think of in passing and we don't really put into perspective enough. And so just the innocence of a baby and he just comes to be this beautiful person and king and God is just mind-blowing to me. And so I was wondering, as you were telling your story, did you ever find yourself being angry with God for giving you a disability? Yeah, I don't remember being specifically angry at God, although I have definitely been overcome with emotions and wanting a different life and wishing that things could be different, that things could be easier, that I could just swing my legs off my bed in the morning and stand up and take care of myself. You know, it seems like such a simple thing. And then all the other things that my friends were experiencing, falling in love and going to college and getting jobs and getting married and having kids. By that time, though, I had matured a little bit in my understanding. But yeah, as a teenager, I, and a young adult in my 20s, just like so much frustration and anger, but not anger at God. I don't really remember ever being angry at God, which is kind of strange. That may come from my parents. My mother sometimes would be asked, have you ever thought, why me? Why is this happening to me? 
And she said, no, why not me? I mean, we know that these things happen that, again, nobody's perfect. And we all have different trials and tribulations that we endure in life. Life is full of miseries, that's for sure. So we're not so special that we're going to be spared from the fullness of being human. And the fullness of being human includes pain. So because I always knew that I was loved, I had that from my parents. I always knew that I was deeply loved and worthy of life. And I always had a great love for life, just an awe and wonder, the beauty of creation that I wasn't specifically angry at God. Although I did have a lot of, like I said, angst and rage in other ways. Did you ever find yourself perhaps straying from God that maybe you would have needed just that redirection back to maybe Catholicism? Yes. Oh, absolutely. As I was saying about not really having a very good Catholic education at all. I remember writing Jesus with glitter and glue, but I don't remember really receiving any good catechesis. I definitely had a lot of questions. I have a very curious mind and I did stray. I didn't think of it as straying though. All I wanted was the truth. I just wanted to know what is real. I love life, but what is life? Is there such a thing as God? Am I just believing in God because I'm afraid of dying and I want the comfort of heaven? Do I believe in God because I want a story that makes my little life seem more important somehow. I was afraid that that's why I was continuing to believe in God and trying to grapple with it. It's like, why am I trying? What if I just stop believing in God? It's not something I recommend anyone to do, but it is what I did. I became actually an atheist for a short period, not out of anger, I think is probably curious to some people, but not out of anger, but just out of real Real love, real love for life and for wanting to know the truth, for really wanting to know the truth. So I was thoroughly, like completely got every habit of belief and faith out of my my mind and out of my routine. And I didn't tell anyone about it because why? I mean, there's no point because I didn't really believe at that time that there was meaning in life. It was whatever you wanted it to be. I could see myself as the center of the universe. The whole reason the universe exists and everything that happened before was just prelude and everything that happens after is just epilogue and everything that's happening around me is just background. And I have a selfish tendency, probably we all do, and I could really explore that and just let it all out as an atheist. After less than a year, I was sitting very still and quiet beneath a great barber just enjoying the beauty of the summer day. And I was kind of like peeling back the layers of the sound just as a fun sort of exercise. And so going past the sounds of the birds and the breeze and the insects, past the distant traffic, past the sound in my own head, thinking that there was nothing behind everything that we see and hear. But instead of finding nothing, I just became keenly aware of infinite presence. There were no words because there are no words to describe the true reality of God. I just knew that there was something and I tried to be an atheist after that, but I couldn't 
because I just knew it wasn't true. I knew that I had encountered the bare essence of infinite and eternal reality, which we all call God. And so after that, it was about seven years of searching. Like, what am I going to do with this knowledge now that I have it? You know, I can't just be like, oh, that's cool. God exists. All right. I mean, how can anyone have an encounter like that and not need to make it a part of my lived daily life? So I tried different religions and I searched in different places. And each religion had to fit two things that I knew were true. One is that God is. God is real and true, one, mysterious. And the other is that life is beautiful. Because even with all my struggles and tears and pain, I did not believe. I knew that life is not a punishment. Life is not a prison. There is goodness. There's a good reason that existence exists. So anyway, long story, but to kind of sum it up, each religion failed in some way. I had rejected Christianity because I didn't think I wanted to be a Christian. Yeah, that was a dead answer. Nope, not true. But it was the last ancient tried and true religion, ancient wisdom in my list. So I thought, I really want the truth. If I'm a sincere seeker and lover of truth, I have to explore So I read the Catechism, just the beginning of it, just that very first part of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I was just floored by the wisdom, just this universal understanding of life, of existence, of humanity, of God. You know, I thought, wow, could this be true? The incarnation, that God, infinite and eternal. You know, I had a real fear of the Lord, you could say. Could God really have chosen to become one of us, to enter into the limitations of time and space and share in our human lives and give us an intimate and personal experience and expression of his divine love for us, his reason for creating us. So again, long story, but I decided to choose Christ. And I've just grown in in faith and understanding since. And whenever there may be some struggles or doubts popping up, I always go back to just that encounter with the reality of God and that knowledge of infinite love. And I know that Christ is, Christ is real and Christ is the Savior. Yeah, again, that is just so beautiful. And you're speaking my language because this past semester I studied metaphysics and the theology of Christ and Really, there's just so much we don't know that is just not taught unless you actively seek out the truth. And I'm a huge proponent of that as well. What is the truth behind this? What is the real meaning behind this? And no matter what, even if you try to escape it, you're still going to come back and find out that the truth is God is real. There's no doubt about it. And God is. And like I said, I took metaphysics and... That's the number one thing we learned is that God is, he is existence, he is essence, he is everything. And I was just like, that is just so powerful as you're listening to that and hearing your story and just even learning it for yourself. I was like, wow, you just, you can't escape from that reality. And I think that it's just so beautiful because people need to know that truth and it's just not taught as much as it should be. So besides the catechism, were there other things that kind of inspired you to maybe seek the truth further from Catholicism specifically? 
well, I decided that I really need to become better educated because I saw that a lot of the things that I had thought, thought about Christianity in general, and then yes, the Catholic Church in particular, were really misconceptions. And I probably should be learning more about particular matters of faith. So I did take some online enrichment courses. The first one was about creation and just, it was a great course. It was through the University of Notre Dame. They have an online enrichment program called STEP. It's I think it's part of the McGrath Institute for Church Life now. So I took some of those courses to, to help me better understand and to grow and to be able to talk with other people who also wanted to learn the truth and who are hungry for knowledge and also, of course, keep that desire for knowledge, the understanding that it can never know everything because we are limited. We're not the creator, we're creatures. We, we necessarily are limited in order to exist, in order to be here. So anything that's poetic or mystic, I tend to be drawn to that as well. This year, for an example, I read five works from mystics and contemplatives like St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, St. Catherine of Siena. My new favorite, St. Julian of Norwich. Don't know if many people have heard of her, but Revelations of Divine Love was a great, great insight into, into the reality of God's love. That's incredible. And you mentioned some of the people that I know too, but I haven't heard of that other one. So I'll definitely have to take a look into that. But I think there are so many resources out there that are just not even discovered yet. And I'm personally excited to see these modern day saints that we see, that we encounter every day. What are their works? What are their minds and hearts going to speak to us? And so I just wanted to ask another question about your book. How did you come up with the title for that? Because I think it's really creative. Yeah, I went through a lot of different titles. Not one that said everything that I wanted to say to everybody. I just wanted to help people to truly understand that there is goodness in this life that there's a reason that we are here and the reason is for good. It's for love and that the struggles, it's not good despite the struggles. It's good with the struggles, the fullness of life. And so I helped out with a spiritual adoption program in my parish some years ago. And as part of that, we wrote the development, fetal development, human development in utero, so that people would know that the babies that they were praying for who were at risk of adoption, of abortion, what stage of development they were in. I was just floored by how amazing human development is and how much, how, how many parlors uh, and things that we have, even in the womb. But anyway, I kept coming to this one thought, it is good that you are here. And that is somewhat in the Bible when the apostles go up with Jesus to the mountain and the transfiguration and they say, Lord, it is good that we are here. So at the very end of the book, not to give away too much, spoiler alert, the last line of the book is, Lord, it's good to be here. So that just seemed a fitting title for the book. That no matter what um, our limitations, the difficulties that we encounter, God knows that it's good that we are here. That just puts such a cool perspective on life that I feel like a lot of people often don't think about only because life is hard and there's no two ways about that. And especially with this past year alone, where there's just been struggle after struggle and 
I was really trying to focus myself on how can I find the positive? How can I find out that it's good to be here? And it was just those little moments that you really are like, I can't put this into a positive perspective, but you can. You have to. There has to be something in every moment that makes it good to be here. And I think that's just so beautiful. And have you really tried to make that your focus after you wrote the book that it's a constant reminder for you and not for other people? Not everything that I write is really for me. I feel like this is how God tells me what I need to know through my writing, through just sitting down and being open and sort of listening what God wants to reveal. And so, yeah, I have actually found myself going back to certain parts of the book and going, oh, yeah, I have to remember that. Because it is easy. It's easy to get lost in just the distractions and even the misery of life. And to forget those moments when we have clarity. You know, we hopefully we have had at least one moment of clarity where we see really the goodness of being here. Not because we were so happy, happy, joyful in one moment, but because we really experienced, I think, love. I think those are the moments when you really, when you just see an, even an act of kindness that a stranger does for another or the bravery of some people in putting their lives on the line for others. Any little moment of clarity, you know, I try to remember that. And again, I have gone to write books several times about other writings. Even my blog, it's an ongoing learning process because the truth is mysterious and it's infinite. And we never stop learning. We never stop growing in our relationship with God, with one another, with ourselves. Exactly. It's just this ongoing, constant growth process for us, especially because God never changes, but he's always inspiring us to grow more and more every day. So do you have any plans to write a second follow-up book in the future? I have two books that I have in mind that I'm hoping to get to next year. I've already worked on them quite a bit. The first is drawing from the spiritual adoption program that I mentioned and just the amazing development of us. When we start from the very, very beginning, uh, smaller than a period in a sentence, and yet there we are. That book would be geared towards junior high and high school students. So really just the amazing story of you is kind of the working title. And then to, to explore further my conversion, my journey of faith, to broaden and deepen that and to share that with others and hopefully give some hope and encouragement to people out there. Oh, man, that's going to be so exciting. Oh, I can't wait to read them when they come out. But the last thing that I wanted to ask you is, do you have any advice for somebody who is thinking that they're going through a struggle right now or a disability that they're kind of letting stop them and putting up a roadblock for them? How can they get over that? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is to understand that we all need help, that there's nothing wrong with needing help, with asking for help for not being able to do something just so. Sometimes we think, well, if I can't do it on my own, then I don't want to do it. Or it's too hard. I don't want to ask anybody for help. But everybody needs help. There's no shame in that. So if you can't do something a normal way, or quote-unquote normal way, for instance, I can't actually write. I can't hold a pen in my hand and put it to paper. I can't even type. I can't move my arms. 
but I can speak. And so thankfully, we live in a time of great technology that gives us so much assistance in so many ways. So I use a dictation system. And I'd never want to fall into that stereotype that was given to me where it's enough that I just smile. In some ways, it is enough that I just smile. Sometimes I meet a stranger and I just easily and genuinely smile. And I've had people say, your smile is exactly what I needed today. Usually it makes them look at their own lives in a different perspective and have more gratitude. And if you have gratitude, then you have joy. So sometimes that is enough, but there are things that you can do and be active and contribute in other ways. If you have a talent for communicating with people, as you do, or for writing, find a way, ask for help, do whatever you can, mindful that God will always help you become who he created you to be. Absolutely, 100% agree. And, you know, the thing that I always remind myself of are two Bible verses. The first is Esther 4.14. So perhaps this is a moment for which you have been created. And the second is Psalm 139.14. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think those two are just the perfect embodiments of what we need to remember about ourselves and our worth. But Of course, not being afraid to ask for help is a big problem that I'm sure a lot of us have, including Mm -hmm. myself. But if you can't do it, then nobody else can. And so, of course, you need the help. You need the help to get yourself through. So I wanted to ask, last of all, is where can people find you? How can they find your book? Where can they find your blog? All of those things. So I blog weekly at authorchristinachase.com. And my book is through Sophia Institute Press. You can find it at sophiainstitute.com or Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, all the online retailers. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, author Christina Chase. love communicating with people. And yeah, I hope that people can maybe check out my blog. Follow me. Always love that. I also have a, a YouTube channel too. So. Awesome. All of those links will be down in the show notes below. But Christina, thank you so much for joining us today on Here Now Podcast. Thank you very much, Sophia. God bless. You too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Don't forget to subscribe and like this episode. And of course, follow Christina on all of her social medias. And we will see you guys back next time on Here Now Podcast. Bye-bye.